Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the Pastoral Thoughts Podcast. Uh, this is your host, Jack Young. What we're going to have today um, on the podcast is a question and answer session that we uh, just got done with our Spring Thought Conference, and we had uh, five men of God that have been pastoring, many of them for decades, uh, answer some questions from the audience, and I'll be a blessing to you. So stay tuned and enjoy. God bless you. Okay, gentlemen, you can make your way right up there on the the platform. I know my my father's my here he comes. And um, I always appreciate uh, ministry talk and um, picking other people's minds. And the, these are men of God, and, and uh, some of them pastored in the state for decades. And I've got uh, I've got a really good got a really good book by. Uh, Brother Ashquith, I only have, I would put them in all your preacher bags out there. Make sure that you get your preacher bags. Uh, but I've got a really good book by Brother Ashquith, and I think I've got about nine of them. If you ask me for one, I will give it to you. But if you don't ask me, I'm not going to give you one because uh, I don't have enough to go around. But um, does somebody have a question for these men, a ministry question for them that they would like to start us off? Gentlemen, uh, my name is Jim Donath. Some of you know me. Uh, I am uh, pastoring a church in Buffalo. I've been there for 13 years. Uh, the uh, the folks that I'm bringing in uh, to the church, uh, as much as I wanted them to take the church to the next level, uh, it doesn't appear as though it's going to be happening. I'm going to have to bring someone in uh, from outside. Uh, and I don't have the slightest idea how to go about, uh, and I don't even know if it's a proper method to uh, have some type of internship. Uh, does that make any sense? Uh, 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 to offer someone the uh, uh, cash is at a minimum, uh, so I don't have a lot of money to waste on the wrong people. Uh, uh, but uh, but nevertheless, I have to bring people in. I don't have a doctrinal question, uh, but that's but that's my question. Uh, how do I how do I get started? What, what do you? Yes. What what? What? <laughs> what what? Can okay. You see, can what you see you, me now? Let me ask you a question. Yeah, now I got my voice. Um, let me ask a question. What do you mean? Which many times have different ideas. What it is? What's the next level? you're referring to okay uh, I'll be 69 years old next uh, next week uh, I don't have the energy that I had uh, 20 and 30 years ago uh, yeah uh, so yeah and uh, and my efforts over the last 13 years we've hit thousands of doors uh, and uh, we've brought people in uh, but uh, the younger people are not going to they're they're I'm not able to get them to step up. Uh, maybe someone else is, will be able, uh, but someone has to take this church into the future at some point. Uh, I don't have any, uh, I don't have a desire to retire. Uh, I don't think the people want me to retire. Uh, so retirement right now is not uh, in the, uh, it's not on any of the burners, uh, but, uh, but the church has to go forward, and the people in the church, 
I'm not able to get I'm not able to get the church forward, and the people in the church are not able to get it forward. But it's got to go forward, or it's going to die out. Uh, so uh, the only option I'm considering uh, is one of internship, where you can bring people in, see if they've got a burden for the area, this, that, and the other. And I'm just I'm just looking for. Uh, uh, I guess I'm looking for some input, if that makes sense. And uh, where do we where do we go from here, Brother Donath? Are you looking primarily for a second man, or are you looking for a second man who will eventually take the church? Uh, well, I want what God wants. Okay, okay. Uh, whatever that would be. Both of those are very viable. Uh, you know, options. Uh, the youth. I mean, <laughs> I'm in. I'm in an area. The, uh, the 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 youth are tripping over themselves. I could be out there at my age. I could be throwing a football on the streets. I could stay out there all day long, and I could get young people to come into church. But I don't have anybody to minister to them. And I realize that the people my age are not the future of the church. Yes, sir. Is it okay? Can I jump in here? Sure. Yeah. That's yeah. I, I got this, Mike. Here. Um, it, but I'm just going to give you some of my thoughts, and I'm not a great church. I'm, I'm not even a good church builder. Um, I wrote a book recently, "Honey, I Shrunk the Church." That's my best work so far. But. I think I read that book. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so some of these, <laughs> so, please. I'm just going to spitball, so don't 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 miss don't overly judge anything I'm going to say here. All right. I, f I feel like first of all, I would want to challenge your assertion that you've got to have some bouncy young intern to reach the young people. I don't know that I buy that. Um, I don't think there's anything in the world more overrated than a youth director, um, and I'm not against a good one, but you talk about a waste of time. Um, what those young people need is preaching and teaching the Word of God. You do it better than that intern who can't, doesn't know all 66 books of the Bible. All right, that's my first thought. Second thought is, a lot of this next level type thinking, and I'm with you 100%, okay? Been, th been through it many times, having my third midlife crisis right now. All right, but a lot of that comes from in the imposition of external pressure from our own ideas about what it's supposed to look like what church is supposed to be like. It's not 1975. It's not. And it doesn't mean you're a progressive because you want to um, hit the right nail. That doesn't mean you're progressive. It just means you're not weird. And so in your church, I guarantee you, are opportunities right there. There's oil in the barrel right there. And, uh, but if you continually try to turn it into something that's it's not going to fit with, you're going to continue to have this struggle. So another way of saying it is a lot of the things that guys like you and I, old dudes like us, want these young people to step up and do feels strange to them because our approach and our way of doing things is so outdated sometimes. Now listen, I'm an ancient Baptist journal guy. I have a, a, a library filled with first editions from the 19th and 18th century. I'm an old school Bible thumper. I'm not advocating turning church into a disco. I'm not. But neither does it have to look, again, like it's 75. So I would say 
talked to a lot of people who are succeeding in small towns, rural towns, doing things differently without giving away the, the farm, right? Without selling the farm or giving up the truth. And you might find that there's more than one way to do it. An intern could be awesome because they're cheap, right? But I don't think the intern's going to be the whole answer. I just think they would be part of facilitating it. But anyway, what do you, this is the guy that's going to know right here. I'm struggling myself right now. <laughs> well, and I guess I, I use the word internship just for lack of. No, I, uh, yeah, it's a good word. Uh, I get it. Some, somewhere to get the ball rolling in the direction that we're going. Here. Why don't you meet with the young people once a week or once a month and teach them the Bible and be their friend and throw donuts at them and, and don't try to be cool. Just try to be an old man that loves God, loves the Bible, loves young people. And if you turn three into six and six into nine, you're doing something and then see what God does next. You gotta get the ship moving before you can turn it. That would be my thoughts. I'm doing, tomorrow night at 6.45, I'll be preaching to the kids. You know, we'll have 40, 45 kids out, and man, I'll preach to them. Then I'll go upstairs at 7.05, and I'll do games with 15, 20 teenagers, and then I'll bring our teenagers into the auditorium at 7.20 and preach to the old people, adults. Uh, Everybody over people. forty, <laughs> and uh, and and I'll preach to the teenagers as well. I'm I'm at a place where I've gone the intern route and I've gone the young people route. I, I tell you, there's a di the generation of, of young people they don't want to struggle. And that, now the the ones that struggle they're few and far between, but the, but they want they want to sit in an office and they want you know, the the work ethic is is not necessarily there like you know. You know, to see something happen, it's going to take work. So, my personal opinion, like 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 these men have said, I, now I'm not I'm not at your age, and so my energy level is a little different. But I, I, I my goal and my plan this is, is folks have asked me in the church, pastor, when are we going to hire a youth pastor again? What when are we going to hire another assistant? When are we going to hire? You know, what about the kids? Pro I just told them I said next six months to a year, you get stuck with me. And, uh, you know, Bobby Robertson ran 400 before he hired a youth pastor. Mm -hmm. And I'm just at the place where I'm just such a weird guy. And I run at such a different level. I told uh, really young, we picked me up at the airport. I said, man, I'm like quad vocational. So, you know, I mean, just run all over the place. So, you know, I'm, I'm not sure I'm going the intern route, you know, per se. But, 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 but then again, if... You may get somebody that has a heart for yeah, it's a little that, that's on your pace, and see for me, I just want them to blow it up. You know, I, I, I want I want the youth group to go from twenty to two hundred in six months, and 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 so I run at a different pace than than normal people. So maybe you get a guy that's you know, just come on in and and let me be a blessing and let my family get you know a part of the ministry and get a job and. And then just from there, because, you know, maybe, maybe if the internship gets them there, then they can start working and they can start, you know, plugging in. Maybe God will just unite your hearts together and they're, they're willing to just plot along for a while as, as God continues. So I, all that to say is I would, I would call some Bible colleges, you know, hey, do you have something? Because I, I don't know how big your church is, but, you know, if you're running 30, 40 people, that, hey, this is our situation We've got a little bit of money. We can get somebody up here, but have to get a job. Maybe he's got a heart for church planning or church revitalization in, in the Buffalo area. And, and I'll tell you this, you know, there is financing. You know, guys can raise some support for that to, you know, 
hey, we're revitalizing the church. We're getting, jumping on board with that. You know, maybe they spend six months doing that to get, you know, to get up there and be a blessing. But I, I, I make some phone calls and say, hey, do you have a guy that really does? Man, take a church of 12. It's a dying building. Revitalization really is becoming a hot button topic in a bunch of Bible colleges. So if you just say, here's where we're at. Here's where my, I, I'm at my season of life. You may just find a, uh, a young man that says, why not, you know? Who else has a question? Brother Tony, you got all the answers. I don't think. My name is Tony <laughs> Chocolate Thunder Saxton, <laughs> a big brown baritone brother from another mother. The husband Chocolate of Thunder. Yvonne, Brown Sugar, Sugar Ray Leonard, Sugar Foot, Sugar King Saxton. <laughs> she fits every one of those names. Now, my question is this. I was a pastor for 22 years, and uh, I was a pastor with a heart and evangelist. And, I'm, and about midway during my ministry, I realized that I would rather be second man. I didn't have the grace, you know, to be first man uh, as, as far as senior pastor. And we started a church, and Jose was doing, with me during that time, was, uh, 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 a pastor, a fellow church. But anyhow. And he, he bear witness to what I'm trying to say here. And so I eventually uh, transitioned from the pastor to be an evangelist. And my wife, during the time I was a pastor, I used to tell her, I said, she said, Tony, why are you giving so much authority to so many people? And I told her, I said, well, I'm a team player. She said, yeah, Tony, but somebody's got to be the coach or somebody's going to take over. And guys started doing that. And they thought they were doing God a service trying to help me lead. So anyhow, to make a long story short, to get to the question, is that uh, now I'm an evangelist with the heart of a pastor. And I realize that God used the pastor to break my heart so that I can come in and to, to, to come alongside of pastors and help them. And I've, I've been able to help quite a few pastors in this room. And, uh, and so I, I truly enjoy uh, the opportunity God has given me. You know, I'm trying to take after my big brother Tom Stiles over there, amen, the pastor mm -hmm. of pastors. But anyhow, uh, you had mentioned something that you caught my ear as you were preaching. And I, I've been wanting to meet you because I've been following you. Everywhere I go, you've been there. <laughs> Amen? And uh, you had said something about when you, when you retire, you know, from the past. Unless I, unless I misheard you. No, I'm retired one day soon. Yeah. Well, you, you said you want to go into evangelism <laughs> yeah. when you retire. And I'm thinking, wait a minute. <laughs> I got my second win. It doesn't feel like a retirement to me at all. As a matter of fact, I feel... I know without doubt, without a doubt, I'm where God would have me to be, going, along, going alongside of pastors and helping them to perfect the saints for the work of the ministry. And, you know, and, and it's just such a great need today. And you know, other than what you preach today, you know, what advice, having been a, an evangelist with the heart of a pastor, now I'm a pastor with the heart of an evangelist, and now you're gonna be an evangelist with the heart of a pastor and when you retire, and I, I don't think it's going to happen before the Lord comes back, so you might be stuck. <laughs> Amen. But uh, what advice? And that, that question goes for everybody in the panel. That guy that's sitting over there to your left, he's uh, my father in the faith. Now he's looking. At, he was the first pastor I ever had in 1982. And I praise the Lord for him. That's where I got the white hair from. <laughs> <laughs> but anyhow, and you know, you got more than just pastors here. And I'm sure that question is, 
you know, might be asked or be beneficial, the answer to that might be beneficial to somebody else other than just me. I'll say this, as an evangelist, I didn't know what a pastor was going through. And I, and I knew that. I knew that because I had never, I just 22, fresh out of Bible college, preaching. It's insane. I, I, who would have a 22-year-old guy come preach? For five? But you guys did. Thank you, Brother Young. Um, <laughs> one thing my uncle, Paul Schwenke, told me, he said, Steve, you can never go wrong preaching the Bible. Yes, absolutely. And one thing I just did over, I, mean, I just preached the book, just preached the book. And I, and I, you know, pastors would bear their heart and tell their stories, and I'd just be like, preach the book. So as a pastor now, I want, I want guys like Paul Schwenke to come preach the Bible. You know, my pastor comes and preaches every year for me, and he preaches the Bible. Um, the Bi you know, I mean, that's where the answer's at. So, so I, 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 you know, don't come. You know, one thing, I've, I, I don't care what camp you're in. I don't care where you preached at recently. I, I really don't care what Bible college you went. I had a guy, missionary, it was two weeks ago, three weeks ago, he's like, talk, dropped the name Jack Hiles. I told myself afterwards, I said, you know, nobody in our church knows who Jack Hiles is. And uh, they know Jack Daniels, but not Jack Hiles. <laughs> so, so, so I just, I just, you know, I, I, I surround, you know, try to get around guys that just, you know, just, just come in and love my people. I, you know, one thing that I noticed in evangelism is the churches that were, what, what our church needs, is, our current church needs is fellowship. And, I, you know, we probably, service gets over. You know, we hang out for an hour, hour, hour and a half. I mean, just hang out with the people. Just fellowship. Just, just you know, hear their stories. And, and I know I know they're a bunch of weirdos, man, but, but they've got a story to tell. And so just spend time with my, that's what I want. Spend time with my people. Preach the Bible. And, um, and then, you know, I, I don't know. That's just the... That's, those are probably the two things that I would I would say that that's what I want and and as a pastor, you know I, I want to be I want to be encouraged as well. So don't don't come give me your drama. I mean I've had guys that have come and we go out to eat and I'm just like you know what you're not coming back I, and I won't tell them this. <laughs> I won't I, I won't tell them. But you know what you tell me too much drama and you're gossiping. R really, you know what what First Baptist and Hammond and Lancaster Baptist and Hartley I I don't. It doesn't affect me. I mean, I'm 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 for him, but uh, you know, I got off all you know most social media and got rid of all my drama friends because I really, when COVID happened, it was like ah, it really doesn't affect me. I got to focus on my folks here in Huntsville. So, you know, don't come and try to put me in a camp or you know, just just l encourage me to preach the Bible more. So, Pre preach the Bible, love people. So, well. Brother, if I can say something on that, because you're a man that I do have into my church. And for me, when I'm looking for an evangelist or anyone comes in, I really am not looking for help for myself. And that doesn't mean that I don't need help, all right? So once in a while, an evangelist has been a help to me, all right? But that's not what I bring them in for. I judge people that I bring in by, did it help my people? Yeah, that's right. That's it. Were they made better by this yeah, person? That's right. When you came in and labored amongst us, I felt that the people were made better. Right. Okay? I thought there was something, a touch of God on your life that they could use. Um, 
Brother Jack Young, we've got him coming in Thursday, Thursday night Bible study. Why? Because when he came in the last time, my people were better. Um, I have a young man who drives from Geneseo, him and his wife. It's hour and 20 minutes. They never miss. They're there for every special meeting, everything. He called me after Jack Young was there, and he said, I resolved something. He said, he, he said this thing that's been such a burden for me, he said, it's really resolved. It's, it's taken care of. And so when people like that come into our church, it, I'm just not worried about their background or what school they came out of. Did this help my people? We have Brother Donath in twice a year. And he's asked me, why do you have me in? And because it helps my people. And there's something about this touch of God that he has, and he sits there, and he teaches. It's very simplistic. But we're a simplistic people. It just it helps us. So, you know, my thing would be stay in touch with God. The prayer closet our good brother talked about there, staying you know, in touch with God, and then just go in and preach things that you don't really know why you're preaching it. God knows. Aren't those the most effective messages you ever have when you just go preach something that's on your heart and, uh, you know, and just slays people right and left? Thank you. By the way, before I give the mic to him, one of the greatest honors I've ever had is sitting on the platform next to you. Thank you. I'm not sure about what uh, that's all about. You gotta check my wallet. Uh, I'll give it to you to check a little later. <laughs> You'll give it back. There you go. Um, my assessment is this, and brother, you're going to be 69. I'm 70, and I'm still trying to stay somewhat active as far as that. And it's, I'm not really concerned about it. I'm concerned about, as our brother said, just preach the word. I mean, that's the best thing you can do. We're trying to entertain children. And that's not what it is. Yeah. Would you get that, Tony? Would you like me to answer this question after you answer that? Or whoever. <laughs> uh, I, would, I would agree with what this brother said. When I have somebody in, I want to I, I know that they're going to help my people. It's not about myself, though I've been helped immensely, but I want to know that they're going to help my folk. I don't have them because they're just my friend or they're passing through or whatever. I want to. I want to believe that I can help. Normally, I try to hear somebody, you know, someplace before I'll have them come in to our people. Not that I judge it solely on that, but I want to know, you know, their spirit in that way. So, absolutely. The key is, will they help my people? Why, why wouldn't a pastor want their folks to be helped, encouraged, uh, in that? So, there. There's your answer, son. Brother, if I can continue just one moment on that. But again, this thing helping their people. I got a phone call just this morning from a woman who's about as wide as she is tall and four children, just grew up horribly abused her whole life. Her husband spent most of his youth locked in a closet. You know, just everything awful in their lives. And yet there's been a conversion. There's been a change. Jesus Christ is in their home today. But she was weeping this morning because they had gone uh, about 45 minutes south of us to uh, Eldred, Pennsylvania last night. A bunch of my people in my church went to hear a man preach. And she went into the bathroom there and criticized the preacher to another woman. And this morning she's just weeping. Pastor, what do I do? I said, well, you 
call that other woman, apologize. She says, I did, but I'm still just grieved. And I said, your problem is you've grieved the Holy Ghost. And you need to just get alone with him. But why were 20 of my people down there last night? Because some old redneck out of Ohio was preaching, and it's helping them. And I'm getting these testimonies. This is just helping us. And boy, if you folks could just help those people. Yeah, right, go ahead. Yeah. Uh, question for you. Um, my son uh, started a business a couple of years ago because he was dealing with uh, a lot of issues, not him personally, but I mean, he's in, within his family and so on, uh, dealing with schizophrenia, uh, 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 clinical depression, uh, things of that nature. And uh, he started a company to, uh, to monitor the effectiveness of therapy to people who go through that kind of uh, ordeal. Uh, in the process, he uh, got introduced to a fellow who had a similar uh, desire to help people with that kind of depression, schizophrenia, and things of that nature, mental health issues. And the guy was a PhD from California that had a heart for the Lord. He was a, he was a, a preacher. Um, and he, uh, he joined his company with my sons. And I got to speak with this guy for a while. And one of the things he told me was that 70% of pastors suffer from depression. And in the week that I talked to him, two of his pastor friends committed suicide. And I didn't realize how common depression is amongst people in ministry. So my question to you is, have you been through it? And how do you get through it? Um, the Lord has been good to me in my you know, since 1974, when I went into ministry, I've not experienced that. I've seen people experience it. Um, I, and I don't know what it is or what, you know, in that in an individual, what takes place. I think what they take on them overwhelms them. And, uh, you know, bless their heart. My heart goes out to people like that. I just want to say, my ministry, I have not. You've asked the question, has it happened? And, and it's not. And that, and that that I'm saying, not me, brother. Uh, my, my philosophy in life is keep your head down, keep moving forward. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, that's the key. So, but I don't know. These gentlemen may know better. Yeah, I, for me, I have a friend that describes me as being either in the clouds or under the house. Um, and so I, I could e just as easily track the days that I'm not depressed uh, as depressed. Um, so, yes, absolutely beyond any shadow of a doubt. But I, th I think that the depression struggle, the pastorate as it relates to depression and anxiety and, and those issues, it begins with the fact that pastors are human beings. We have infirmities. It doesn't change because you're pastors. That's number one. Number two, very often, I'm not a, I'm not a doctor or psychologist or anything like that, so this is just from experience and it's an opinion. Um, depression is very seldom let me be careful about that because that's, I don't have any case study for that. I think we have the idea that depression is the same thing as discouragement. It's not the same thing. Right. Okay. Uh, depression is very often, there's no reason for it. There's no, you're, what am I depressed about? It's not about external factors. 
It's a physical, chemical, mental struggle. So to pound and crusade and preach about, you know, pray through it and all that stuff. Well, look, I mean, you don't tell somebody with a broken leg to pray through it. You take them to the emergency room. You take, you, you take your, your blood pressure medicine. It, so it's a, it's a, we're really misguided about depression and anxiety. Um, you know, Spurgeon said that he seldom preached that he didn't feel as though he were crossing the channel. You know, massive bouts with depression and anxiety. So, um, I, I think that when you take, take the human element and compound it with the often excessive amounts of stress and worry and underperformance and self-loathing <laughs> and conflict. Like our, our brother said today, you know, this year's been a battle. You add all that stuff to someone who is already possessing the ordinary infirmities of humanity, and you have a recipe yeah. for some problems. And everybody says, well, you, know, you can say, well, pastors are just human. Everybody says, amen. Well, they amen that until that humanity becomes something uncomfortable for them. Then they're ready for another church or another pastor. So pastors can't exactly talk to people about their troubles. No, they can't exactly. It's not easy anyway. I can because I don't give a rip. You know what I mean? <laughs> Honestly. And I'm not being dismissive when I say I'm depressed a lot. I don't mean that I'm an unhappy person. I mean that there are long stretches of time where I feel like I'm wearing a wet suit where I have to coach myself into seeing life the way it is as opposed to the way it feels. And so, yeah, it's very difficult for pastors and pastors' wives. But I think, I think we have to keep in mind, we have to be careful that we don't become prima donnas. There's way too much of that kind of talk, I think, in the ministry. Everybody's struggling with these things. You know, I don't know why. First of all, they probably always have. Okay, there's a lot of things we'll read in history. The old school people just didn't talk about their problems. They just didn't, okay? And, and then you add poor health from terrible diet and, and weird medications and maybe, you know what I mean, chemicals in the foods that we eat. We're probably living in a little bit of a different world now than, say, the 19th century. We don't break a sweat every day, you know? And uh, so that's why there's gyms everywhere now because it's not an agrarian culture. There's a lot of complicated, sophisticated factors that contribute to this whole thing. So yes, on the depression question, it doesn't have to defeat you, but it will defeat you depending upon your personal makeup if, you don't, if you're not honest about it and if you don't uh, get help and think it through. It can you be know, very devastating. Excuse me. No, yeah. Depression is a constant thing in my church. Allegheny County has 46,000 people. We lose 10% of them every census. Um, Bronx County is one of the only poor counties per capita than Allegheny County. CBS News once listed us as one of the 20 worst counties in the nation. Um, and most of the people who have skills or education have, they're in Huntsville. All right. And, you know, um, yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, but so the ones who are left, um, most of them have diagnoses. They come to me laden with uh, all these drugs and things that they're on. And for those of you who are taking notes, I'm going to give you a list of books that have helped me. These books are not written by Christians. 
These are books written by worldly people who have caught on to the problems. One author is Dr. Leonard Sachs, S-A-X. He's a liberal Jew out of Maryland. His first book is Gender Matters. His next one is Boys Adrift. Why are boys failing in the United States? Currently in the United States, one out of every five men between the ages of 20 and 50 are not employed. They are not listed under the unemployment statistics because they've never applied for employment. In New York, it's one out of four. Those are many of the men in your church. Oh, they might do a little logging. They might work at a bar once in a while. But Dr. Leonard Sachs talks about the five things that have happened in Western societies why boys aren't making it. Another one that he wrote is called Girls on the Edge. And again, this man is a liberal. He doesn't care if they become lesbians. You have to get over that. But he's going to show you why girls are failing. And it's tremendous. It's that Jewish brain looking at a problem. Another book that has helped me very much in my church, it's called Hooked. The Science of How Casual Sex is Affecting Our Children. Okay. And what it talks about is just the science. God is never mentioned in this book. It's written by two gynecologists. And it just talks about, and by the way, most of the adults in my church are people who have suffered through what this is talking about. I'm 67 years old. I grew up where the Warren Court had destroyed America. Okay? And so most of my people have suffered through this. And it talks about how that if a woman has known four or five sexual partners before she gets married, statistically she will probably not stay married. She's what the Apostle Paul calls without natural affection. And he, they actually give you the science of what's happened to her. Her ability to bond, and they use the, the term there, it's like a piece of tape that's been put on the wall so many times, it can't stick anymore. It's been destroyed inwardly because she's violated, she sinned against her own body, as the Apostle Paul would say. Okay. So that book has been a tremendous help to me and my people. Another one that has helped my people a lot is written by a man by the name of Irvin Kirsch, and it's called The Emperor's New Drugs. Irvin Kirsch is a Jewish uh, psychotherapist who for 30 years uh, operated in New York City, and he's explaining why Drugs are a joke for depression. Okay. Just to give you an idea, in order for an antidepressant to be allowed to be sold in the United States, it has to have passed two blind studies. In other words, where half the people are on placebos and half the people are on this drug. It then has to beat the, the placebo by two Hamilton points. In other words, how are you feeling today? Well, I can't eat. All right, we give you a point. I'm suicidal, six points. When you reach a certain point, they say you're depressed. You reach the next amount of points, you're clinically depressed. All right? That's what those points are. So when a new drug 
in two controlled studies can beat a placebo by two Hamilton points, it can be given. Irvin Kirsch, when he did the Freedom of Information Act, found that some of these drugs have been tried 50 and 60 times and finally won twice. All right? And he goes into the science of why doctors ever thought that depression was a chemical imbalance. And he said, it's kind of like trying to tell that to a doctor today is like in the 1800s trying to tell a doctor he has to wash his hands. It, it just doesn't make sense to him. Okay? So that has been very, very important. Why? Because Carl Henry, who wrote the Pacific Garden Mission history in 1941, said this, in the entire 70-year history of the Pacific Garden Mission, no one has ever gotten saved who was high on drugs at the time or drunk. He said, we have had to get everyone. He said, they always talk about Billy Sunday being drunk. He said, he was not, and he gave the story. We sobered him up before he got saved. And he talks about in their 70-year history. So today, someone's on Medicaid. They go into a doctor's office. He's $300,000 in debt from getting his diploma. It's cost him $200 an hour at a minimum to keep that office going, and Medicaid's going to give him $35 to talk to you. How long can he talk to you? So, but he can prescribe drugs. All my people are on him. We have a man who is on 19 different psychotropic drugs a day. Okay? Who, when he went in to a doctor's office to get signed off to have one of those pain stimulators because he crushed his back, it was the psychiatrist who told him, there's no more help for you. And the psychiatrist was stunned because this man takes no drugs today. Zero. Some of you know him, Dale Morey of Liberty Behind Bars. Okay. And again, when Dale first went off all those drugs, I remember one day he came to me and he said, but pastor, I am so depressed. You know what I told him? I said, you need to be depressed. Look at your life. It stinks. Your wife's going to work every day. You're sitting at home playing on computers. Your wife gets home, the baby's diapers are wet and full of junk, and, and you're just sitting there doing nothing. You need to be depressed. God gave you that depression. And I say, if you just keep walking through this valley, don't stop. Sooner or later, the sun will come out again. My wife, dear to me, both of us are ex-street people. She goes through cyclical depression. Okay? And it's just one of those things that comes upon her. Nowadays, the term is bipolar. All right? Everybody's bipolar today. All right? You know, it's, it's the new chic, you know, to be bipolar. And, uh, yeah, and it just is. We have chosen to do that without drugs. That's our choice. Okay? If she wanted to go on them today, she could go on them. Okay? We have found that lifestyle makes a difference. So we tell our people when they first come in, and they're on all the, their kids are on all the drugs, okay? We tell them, let's learn to change your lifestyle first, okay? And after their lifestyle changes, my father used to tell me, John, if you'd quit hitting yourself in the head with a hammer, your head wouldn't hurt so bad, you know? 
And a lot of my people hit themselves in the head with a hammer on a daily basis. And it's just dumb stuff they do. And God gets them over that dumb stuff. And then we tell them, why don't you go into the doctor? We never take people off drugs. Never. Why don't you go into the doctor and tell him, my lifestyle has changed. I'd like to try without. We've never had a doctor who wasn't thrilled. Thrilled with that. We just had a 16-year-old boy graduate who 11 years ago, the school had told him he will never learn to read. We're gonna have to put him in special education. They had him on all the drugs in the world. And he just graduated at 16 years old from high school, reached the top ranks in the Civil Air Patrol. But again, it's that idea of why are we going through this depression? Well, there are, if your dad dies, you're gonna go through depression. If your mom dies, you're gonna go through depression. You lose a job, you're gonna go through depression. Your ministry isn't working right. Who wouldn't go through depression? These are natural things that God gives, okay? Check your lifestyle. Check what's going on, okay? Ask yourself, can I do something different, okay? Try to handle it from that standpoint, but I think you'll find that those books, if you read them, will help you with your people. Amen. Let's do Let's do one more. I thought, I thought I saw a mic going up. Let's do one more question, and then, uh, Brother Dunbar, you're going to have the first crack at it. Okay? You can just make something up if you don't know the answer. I've recently had the opportunity or the privilege of having a couple of young men that really love God and have a love for young people. That being said... Um, they want me to, they want our church to take them on for support. The thing is that they don't have a buy-in into our 1611 King James Version of the Bible. I'm a little foggy right now because I'm up as of 4 o'clock in the morning and uh, had to have spend some time with the Lord. And, um, and so what I did was I, uh, I developed a, a document with the differences that there are in other versions of the Bible as it relates, as it compares to our King James. And I've done that in both meetings. For whatever reason, they keep coming. Um, and um, so in both cases, what I have done is I've tried to encourage them to pray about this because uh, my position on, on the book is not because I'm a Baptist. I, my position on the book is because I prayed about it. <laughs> mm -hmm. And I made some objective comparisons. It's not a prejudice thing. But I don't know if you can add to what I've already shared with you because these guys really do love the Lord. And, and I want to encourage them. And I don't know if you've ever been across a situation of this nature or if there's something that occurs to you that might be helpful in this process. Well, just like yeah. yourself, uh, I came to that conclusion not because I attended a class, but because I, I had, in fact, I was, when I, when I came to the conclusion the King James Bible was the Word of God, I was going to a school that was teaching me that it wasn't. And when I came home uh, during one of the, one of the breaks, uh, my youth pastor got a hold of me and said, uh, well, Dunbar, uh, have they stolen the book from you yet? And I, I said, what do you mean stolen the book from me yet? And we got to talking. And I talked with him, and then I talked with the associate pastor. 
and um, uh, they really they, they 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 put the question before me if you don't have an absolute authority if you don't have something that is unchangeable that you can go to and preach what do you have to offer people so what I what I did you know um, again I had I had read some books I had I had seen you know uh, I had heard arguments on both sides but what I needed to do was get alone with God and if, in fact one of the things that the, that the one associate pastor said to me he's he, he, he um, I was in my second year of Bible college and he picked up my my Bible that was sitting on the table he was sitting across from me and he says he said, let me ask you a question. He said, have you read it yet? And I said, well, of course I've read it. And he says, have you read all of it? And I was in the process of reading through the Bible for the first time, and I had not finished it yet. And I said, well, no, I haven't gone all the way through it yet. He took the Bible, and he slid it across the table. It bounced off my chest. He said, then shut up. He says, read it. Ask God if that's the Bible and and find out find 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 the answer that way and i went back to school with that attitude and every time uh the uh the professors would give me uh reasons why it wasn't or a, a better rendering of this verse would be you know you've heard the line um god always gave me an answer and when I finally finished all the way through my Bible, I got down on my knees. I remember it distinctly. I got down on my knees in my, in my room, and I says, Lord, I'm going to trust and believe this book, uh, and, and I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to believe it until you show me otherwise. And that's where they need to come to. Uh, you can argue back and forth until you're, until you're blue in the face. Um, they need to be they need to realize that for instance i i, I went up to uh, someone who was very just the opposite of me uh once i had gotten a hold of the king james bible issue and uh and 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 uh, i asked him i said well listen what do you do because he was a big greek hebrew guy and i said what do you do when when uh, uh this manuscript says one thing but another Greek manuscript says another thing, and a third one says something else. And I says, and you know that's the case. And he said, yes, yes, you're right. I said, okay, how do you know which one is right? And his, and his answer was, I decide. And I said, oh, so you're the authority not the Bible. And that's really what it comes, that's where they got to be pushed to. They got to be pushed to that point where they realize if you don't have a final authority, you're toast. I'll say this about my own testimony. I, I, I went to Bible college and on my way down, I bought a brand new New King James Version. I, I didn't, I didn't know, didn't grow up here in the King James. I mean, obviously my family used it, but didn't grow up in a strong King James church. And, um, and I'll, I'll say, I'll say a couple things. What really helped me become a solid King James man was a friend, Nate Gipp, 
who hit me up at a meeting in Oswego, New York. And I was preaching for the Plogger over there. And he comes by and he said, yeah, I went to Pensacola. I'm like, cool, Pensacola Christian College. No, <laughs> PBI. I'm like, bunch of crazies there, right? <laughs> I mean, that was my first exposure to a PBI grad. But just Nate's tender care and love and friendship started to really work on my life and, and gave me some information. And it just it was a process of com- conversation. A lot of times the younger generation wants to have that they want dialogue and we it's not this is it's it's well let's talk through this and 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 i think the more conversations we have instead of approaching it from a bless god you're an idiot because you're not a you know maybe more of a let's let's talk through this and and let's you know Let's go through and talk about the morning, you know, the morning star. Who, who is, you know, and, and you just go through the the errors, and 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 you got to come to a place where, you know, here's the reason why it's logical, and here's obviously scriptural, and I, you, but I would I would just, but I wouldn't discourage them if if they if they're if they're having conversations with you, and they're, and you asked about bringing them on for support. Are you bringing them on, on staff? consider them for support okay because of the issue i don't want to get on a slippery slope right these guys love god and they're being effective what they're doing right but uh but they're coming to your church and they're yeah they're coming they're visiting okay and and that kind of thing and i think we i think we're still friends you know right are they missionaries or or what Uh, yeah in fact uh yeah they are they're coming to our church they're bringing some of the folks that they're ministering to and okay uh, but anyways, um, I, ju- I, I, ju- think, I think it's a real issue. You know, yeah. uh, uh, I, I, I was born dyslexic, uh, learning disabled. So this argument that it's too hard to read, I, I just, I, I needed something that was absolute. I had been right. lied to in Roman Catholicism, Pentecostalism. I needed something that was absolute. Hey, I didn't know where to man. start, but I, I just prayed my way through where I am today. Let me just and, say. And that's what I left with them. You've got to pray your way yeah. through this. because. It's just like salvation. Unless God reveals it to you, uh, then it's somebody told you. I don't want to convince you. I want you to get it from God, and that's how I left it. Yeah. I got a friend of mine just started a church in Huntsville, and um, he had his second service this past Sunday. Hopetown Church, you know, definitely not where I'm at, but we're friends. He's preaching the gospel. I would say with those men, you don't have to – you know, Brother Tim, he's like preacher. He said, I need, I need some money. I said, Brother Tim – so I'm, the, I'm our church isn't going to be behind you because we disagree, but we're still friends. And, and, I, and I would say that's probably the reason I'm where I'm at is because of Nate Gibbs saying, hey, you're wrong and I'm right. And, and just having that conversation, but that friendship that was developed. So maybe maybe guys put you in their life for not support right now, but five years down the road. Amen. Let's wrap it up there. And uh, let's take a moment. We're going to put the pulpit back on there and get going, okay? Thank you, gentlemen, for doing that.